1: I am all in.
5: More, more, more. I wanna kiss you more. More, more,
0: more. I wanna kiss you more. I am all in with Scott Patterson, an iHeartRadio podcast.
1: Okay, hey everybody, it's Scott Patterson, and this is the I Am All In podcast with iHeartRadio One Eleven Productions. We are going to talk about and break down presenting Lorelai Gilmore today, which was an episode that created within us so far, just chit-chatting in the morning or little preambles created a tremendous amount of division and controversy already. And I'm not going to say who's on either side, but uh, let me just tell you now that the full ball club is back, we're back together. Danielle's back. She was missing last episode, created a huge hole in our defense and our offense. Um, Now that she's back, we can really get into the nuts and bolts of this. Uh, But, um, you know, I, I thought it was a little lagging in the beginning. I had to adjust to it a little bit and we'll get into this a little more. And it gained momentum. It really started gaining momentum. It's putting Lorelai, in a position where she's being very flirtatious with Christopher through the entire episode and hoping against hope. And it was just unfamiliar territory for me to see her in that position uh, when it wasn't me on the, uh, on the receiving end. See? So the ego came into play a little bit. I have to admit it was a little uncomfortable to watch though perfectly executed. I think Danielle has a different opinion of this.
5: Oh, I
6: cannot wait to get into this with you because we were chatting before, like you said, and you and I have opposing opinions about this episode.
1: A little, I mean, we, it's, it's a little divergent, but, uh, you know, I think we can agree on one thing that we both went and we weren't together when we were watching it. I don't want to start any rumors, but, um, you know, we were both ooing and eyeing through the whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was a delight full episode for sure. It had that, uh, Gilmore Girls impact. Um, it had those big moments. Uh, it, it really, uh, framed, uh, for me anyway, uh, the loss of something, you know, it was looking back and also looking forward at the same time. It framed Rory's future and where she's going. It also framed Lorelei's past and what could have been. Um, so there was that you know these these polar opposites pulling on each other, making creating a lot of tension in the episode, which was brilliantly um, uh, crystallized in that final moment with Lorelai just sort of looking off and the fans going off behind her and all that stuff with the uh, the the girls, the the young debutantes dancing in the background with their fans, um, and we have a very special guest today. I want to say that Brenda Maben head wardrobe mistress, costume designer. Uh, do they even say wardrobe mistress anymore? My God. Uh, was one of my favorite people of this entire production. Uh, Brenda was, uh, a a bright light every single day. She was always happy and sunny and professional and, um, full of great stories and, and, uh, Uh, just a a consummate pro. And she's, uh, she's been around for a while and she got her start with the bodyguard, Kevin Costner, Whitney Houston. And uh, her career has morphed into something very, very special. And I think, you know, besides, uh, you know, besides everything else we've been talking about that Brenda's influence on this show has been monumental and has helped uh, as much as anybody's contribution, make this the show that it is because you know, wardrobe is very difficult. It's a very tricky thing to do. It, it requires a true artist uh, to really bring that vision together what the creators are looking for with a little input of our own or a lot of input of our own. Um, and you really notice this kind of a thing when you're watching a movie or a TV show that's poorly wardrobed and you just it's jarring. It's like, wow, you really notice the clothes, right? You notice how wrong they are. Uh that never happens on Gilmore Girls. So and that's a testament to Brenda and let's bring her in. Let's 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 say hello to Brenda Maven.
4: Hello. How are you? Are
1: you on the left bank in Gay Paris?
4: we. Uh, we oui. <laughs> oui. yes, I am. Actually, yes, yes. I, you know, I always get it confused. Left bank, right bank. I know the Louvre and something else is on the left bank and then the Tour and the Musée Orsay is on the right thing, Uh I think. Okay. Or I could reverse. I don't know. Are
1: you there for work? Are you you living there now or what's going on? I
4: am. I would love. um, I'm just here for vacation this time. Okay. I was living here in this very apartment uh, for work uh, two, three, I think three years ago, I did a, a television series for Amazon called Patriot. And it was season two and uh, we shot the entire thing in Paris. It was Mm -hmm. fantastic.
5: Wow. It was
4: really, it was a dream true. Okay. Right. Because, hey, you know, living in Paris.
1: Yeah, it goes to why you got in the business in the first place.
4: You know, it all came down to that job.
1: Right, right. No, I mean, I, I uh, my reason for getting into the acting game was, you know, uh, many fold, but one of the things that I thought was so attractive about it was the ability to travel to Europe and go to film festivals. Oh, yeah. I just I kept can... thinking of Venice and Cannes and that kind of thing. I haven't gotten there yet, but <laughs> it was the reason, one of the reasons I wanted to do it. <laughs>
4: yeah, I call it my my work vacation retirement plan right. kind of basically because right. i i had the good fortune to go to morocco and prague and paris and montreal you know out of the united states and mexico and every last one of them has been an amazing adventure mm-hmm. an amazing experience mm-hmm. the people that i work with are great I speak French and I speak Spanish, and I learned Spanish on Gilmore Girls, um, so I have to thank, you know, uh, Amy for that. Mm-hmm. And actually, I Amy was doing Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. She came to Paris and shot an episode of Mrs. Maisel, and we were here at the same time, so I got to see her.
1: Okay, great.
4: So that was that was kind of kind of good too right but yeah i don't have any complaints
1: no complaints Nothing. at all huh yeah what a business
4: well you know i would love to be able to live here forever and have somebody else pay for it <laughs> 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 yeah,
1: that
4: would be really great uh-huh. but uh, um life's been pretty good, good. I don't have any... you know i got married
1: i did not know that Congre- wow I congratulations did. to the groom <laughs>
4: I got married to an, uh, Brit to an Englishman me. and I know I, David's sitting here and he said, he met me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. But just to get everybody up to date. I got married. <clears throat> <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, it's been good.
1: That's fantastic. Congratulations. Um, so let's get into, uh, Let's get into the show. People, the fans, the fans want to know. And and we all know on the, in the cast and on the production, how important what you do is to the show. And we've commented on it many times during Mm -hmm. uh, this, uh, this podcast. Um, And a lot of fans are fascinated by that. Tell us how you got the job, who you for, did you first meet Amy and she offered you the job or how did that go?
4: No, I started off, I got the job as a costume supervisor and um, the designer sent me the pilot and the script and I read it and my feeling after I saw the pilot and read the script was I don't care what I have to do to get this job, I'm getting this job because it was, it touched me and it was heartfelt and i love the relationship i love the kind of eggs between you and lorelei you know do they like each other well maybe but i don't know mm-hmm. you know there was that energy between you two and then your loving energy with rory and i i just i like the whole package and i had to do it and so. Um, I supervised it for, uh, what two years, three years, I think. And then they, there's a whole bunch of things that happened that I want to talk about, but, um, needless to say, I told them when they asked me, would I take over being, you know, and be the designer? I said, no, not right now because of the way things happen. And then finally, Patricia said, it's time. So I took over and
1: just for the fans, Patricia Palmer was uh, one of the, uh, yeah. the top uh, producers of the show. Uh, what was her official right. title? Um,
4: um, she was line producer. Line I producer.
1: Think. Yeah. I right. have to
4: look at it huge job, so
1: huge job.
4: Yeah. She kept everyone in line. <laughs>
1: yeah, she and, did.
4: Um, well, of course, you know, Amy had some input in that mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. I, I got along well with Lauren and I just wanted what was best for the characters basically. And everyone saw that that's what I wanted. So that's why I continued to do the show. Um, I, I just wanted to make the characters come alive. You know, they were, I was so into each and every character. You know, I remember that time when they were saying, "Okay, he's not going to wear a baseball cap anymore," and I was like, "Yes, he is." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we didn't for a while. Remember? Really? And then
1: no, they they were trying yeah. to take it off my head, and and they didn't want it anymore. We
4: were. It was just going to be a little slight change. Wow, and that's then a huge change. It was it was you it was it was your character right you know that was luke that hat was just like your arm you know it was part of your character Mm -hmm. and then you had it back on
1: and what what season was that without they were contemplating that um in the beginning
4: (laughs) yeah it was maybe season four or five i don't you know all those seasons kind of mind meld together right But I'd have to look it up to tell you the truth. But it was just, I just loved every single character. The crazier the character, the happier it made me. All of the festivals just made me happy. We had the Harvest Festival and the 12, I think it was 12 tap dancing kids in um, blazers and with yellow stripes And I was like, what, where am I going to find blazers with yellow stripes? And so I went to the fabric store and found some yellow stripes and had them sewn on to the blazers, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. because because it felt right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. The crazier, the better.
1: So here's, here's a question. So, Mm -hmm. so you're reading every single script, you have to digest these scripts. And in Lauren's case, you have to say, OK, in this episode, we're seeing Lauren either get a little more closed off or opening up a little more. She's a little happier. Or she's a little sadder. you know, something. So that affects your decisions on wardrobe, correct?
5: Oh,
4: yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it does. Um, when she was happy, it was just. She was a little more flowy you know, she had on a skirt and it wasn't tight and it, well, I should say it wasn't form fitting. It was a little looser in the shape of it. And, or she had on her favorite pair of jeans with her favorite rock and roll t-shirt and a really cool denim jacket or, you know, depending on what the season of the show was at right. that particular
5: time. Right. right.
4: And then when, she was sad it was she was a little more covered up you know it was more a looser fitting sweatshirt maybe she had on sweats you know she made shadow tennis shoes but she was just a little more closed mm-hmm. in as far as her personality was concerned because she was sad right you know when you're sad you don't Go with the deep V. Right, and, right. Right. You know, everything hanging
1: out. Now, were these all, every episode was a consult with Amy or Lauren? Uh, and how much input did Lauren have in her own wardrobe, for example?
4: A lot of, uh, it was a combination of both. Amy, Amy was pretty, pretty good about not. I don't want to say not contributing to what Lauren had on at times, if it was something special and if it was something that was going to move the character in a certain direction. <clears throat> my and foremost conversation was with Amy um, and giving her what I felt the character was was doing and feeling at the time. And then my second consult was with Lauren because I wanted to make sure that Amy's, you know, Amy's writing this. So I wanted to make sure that I was on point with how Amy was moving the character along and how Amy saw the character feeling. Mm -hmm. And then with Lauren, it was definitely consult. And we would talk about the character, how Lauren felt the character was moving along and it was part of, I felt my job to make sure that we were all moving in the same direction.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: So, cause you know, I wanted to be, I wanted Lauren to be happy, but I wanted Amy to be happy too, because Amy, it's her show.
1: <laughs> yeah. A lot, a lot of conversations. And, yeah. A lot of conversations.
4: Yeah. yeah. And um, even, even with your character, you know, it was, Okay, yes, she did wear the plaid shirts, but you know, there were a couple of times where you didn't have on the plaid shirts. And what type of, of shirt were you going to wear? Right. And you know, and especially because it wasn't plaid, there was a lot of decision, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of conversation about it. Right. And then I'd come to you and say, "Oh, okay, so what do you think? You know, I'd have a choice." Who are your choices? And I would explain to you well, your character is doing this, that, and the other thing, but it was always the first consult with Amy.
2: Always. Mm
7: This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption.
6: We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish.
7: Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host. Apple
1: Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I noticed the mo- most, the most, uh, because I'm not really looking for it. So if I don't notice that I people are doing. You know, your job is 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 being done seamlessly. So if you don't notice the mm-hmm. wardrobe, it's like and you and you feel a certain way then then everybody's executing at a high level. And
4: that's the way it should be. Right.
1: You shouldn't notice it. But the thing, the thing that really, and so I have an eye out for it, right? So I'm really looking for, cause I'm hypercritical when I'm watching these episodes and I'm always trying to find things, um, inconsistencies or things I find a little off balance or great things or whatever it is. And the one thing I really loved was what you did with Scott Cohen's a wardrobe when he was getting dumped. Um, because, yeah, right. <laughs> look at your face. <laughs> you turned him into a,
4: that's a lovely person. He
1: is right. He, and it was, it was, and, and you had him looking so great at, uh, at Chilton and those outfits. And he was so confident in the hair and the, the, the guy he is right. I mean, it's just all so great. Mm-hmm. What a package he, he, he brings to bear. Um, and then, when he moves in—not moves in, but he's when he's staying with Lorelai for that those couple of days where they, you know, realize that they don't really mesh as well. And when he starts vying yeah. for power over Rory, it's like I want to have a say. You know, you, you've got him in these fairly schlubby, oversized, uh, wide collar shirts that make him look. And he was a little slumped over because he's such a good actor, he's just sort of slightly yeah. bent over, right? So so, it's yeah. looking a little baggy. It's looking a little out of sorts. It's looking a little—I don't know—just kind of high schoolish and unkempt. Um, yeah, and and it really translated for me. I'm like, wow, this guy's just by that um, marker alone. I knew he was on his way out. I thought, yeah, we
4: well, have to be a little—you know—you can't jump a really sharp together. Right. I mean i guess you could but right right from the audience point of view they have to be able to let go of him oh yeah and who wants to let go of someone that looks like they're mm-hmm. at the top of their game if mm-hmm. they're just slightly going downhill a little yeah
5: dump him. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: dump him. i knew he was going out i haven't seen the episodes that's the whole premise of the podcast i haven't seen them so I'm watching these with fresh eyes and I thought look at that look at that shirt he's not looking great anymore and it's he's gone he's out <laughs> he's not dressing like a winner anymore <laughs> <laughs> um who who did you uh enjoy wardrobing for the most was it Sean gunn with all the zany outfits I-
4: I went to- I want to say, no offense to anybody else, but Sean is like, (laughs) he's, he's, he has a special little twinge in my heart. And the other thing was, he was different all the time, Mm -hmm. all the time Mm -hmm. when he was just different, you know, he started off, um. I think he was only supposed to be in it. You know, they were like, he just had a couple of lines. And then all of a sudden, he's always in it. And he's always, he's never the same, never the same. There was nothing that you could really identify him. You know, he was a photographer. He was, he's a delivery guy.
1: Uber driver. Uber driver. Uber
4: <laughs> driver, which was cracking a, me up.
1: A filmmaker.
4: He, he was the filmmaker. Oh God. Yeah. He was so many different things. Right. And then, what was he? He was Jesus?
1: He was Jesus in that episode of, uh, yeah, the yeah, Festival of Jesus. Arts. yeah huh.
4: Yeah, and so, <laughs> and he was a Minotaur. <laughs> that was my favorite one, because... I had, I decided that I was going to paper mache this sculpture for him. And it was, it started raining and, and which means that it's not going to dry. Right. So got the um, set deck and the prop guys are bringing these huge e-fans and you know, on stage. And they're just blowing everywhere. And um, Casey, who was our scenic painter, I said, what happens if I put the paint in with the glue and the paper? He goes, well, then it'll be the color. And I was like, perfect. And I just started doing it. And one of my customers, Lonnie, she went and got food and she was just putting it in my mouth, you know?
5: <laughs> <laughs> I was just
4: like, <laughs> and finally, and we had a, we, that was back when it was the beginning of iPods mm. and it was 433 songs. That's how long it took me. Wow! And she made me a t-shirt that said 433 songs.
1: <laughs> that's at least, that's at least 1500 minutes.
4: It was it was a it, it took me a while to do it, hard. but we got it dry, you know, blow dryers in the end, and he worked. So that was one of my my favorite costumes. I mean, we dressed him up as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the revolutionary, or whatever you know. They always had a rear. Um, he did his mime. <laughs> <laughs> you know when he was. And then he simulated being born. Right, I remember that. It was, that, yes. it, was it, it was crazy stuff. It, it
1: was crazy.
4: How could you not, Kirk? Like,
1: I think there you know? in the history of Hollywood, there isn't a better highlight reel than than Kirk. I mean, if you just Kirk. put them all together, right, in one video, it would just slay. Oh my goodness. So he yeah. was, he 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 was the you know, I bet Amy probably didn't have any more fun writing any other character than than Kirk. I mean that must have been just sweet comic relief for her, you know.
4: Yeah, he was nuts. Yeah. It was it was it was nuts. It was just was nuts. You know, you get the script, you don't know and I'm looking Kirk, 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 Kirk. Ah, there he is. Okay. Oh, Jesus tonight. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
1: Oh my goodness. Oh man.
4: And, and now he's, you know, he's in uh Guardian of the Galaxies mm-hmm. and he's still he's kind of the same character throughout those right, films, but right. it's just really kind of cool because he's you know, they've altered the way he looks. Right. You know. Right. It's 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 crazy.
1: yeah they're green screening them like crazy yeah that Groot character um yeah i see him on the convention circuit i do conventions now and i see him every once in a while yeah Yeah, we do uh we share an agent we we uh we actually do signings together and photos together sometimes yeah oh cool yeah
4: you know I, i did get to work with him i just finished uh a show called The Terminal List, and I can't really say too much about it, but I had a, a Sean Gunn sighting. Oh really? That was really lovely. Yeah. And um, we had a lot of laughs and it was just it was it was great.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's good spending time with him. He's a good hang. Um, tell us what it was like to I mean I know that the the um you know the Netflix episodes the year in the life must have been a very daunting sort of planning for you and your team. Oh yeah. To do four seasons shooting four different seasons perhaps in one day in one day and doing you know what was that that was 90 minutes uh times 4 in three and a half months. So basically shooting four movies in three and a half months and four different seasons. How on yes. earth did you, how did you keep track of that?
4: I had a really big,
5: book. <laughs> really
4: big book. I put, I treated it like it was a film. That was the only way I could basically do it. Um, and i just sectioned it off you know each each character had winter spring summer fall closet it was a little challenging because not all of those seasons were available mm. at the time so some of them i i i manufactured i have them made uh it was every time i'd look at the call sheet or you know the one-liner we would just we were very very precise about it because that's the only way it could be and then when they would change it up oh we're not going to do this today we're going to do all summer oh wow and it was i would just say oh okay that's fine and I'd go to their summer closet. I had to build, I built closets for each, each character. And um, I would say the most fun out of almost the most fun, there were several most funs. You know, you can't just do one. It's Gilmore Girls, so there's a lot of them. Was when um, Emily wore the, the Levi's. You know, yeah, uh-huh. the Levi's t-shirt, because that was so far off of right. her character spectrum. Right. It just made it lots of fun.
1: Right. Wow. Let's talk a little bit about uh, this episode presenting Lorelai Gilmore and the dresses. Did you create that dress for Rory? Was that manufactured or was that purchased?
4: Was that...
1: Her de, de-, de- debutante ball her yeah, the her, debutante. her coming out
4: it was they were purchased okay they were they were purchased um at a bridal place downtown we bought a lot of them mm-hmm. all different and the fun thing about that that not a lot of people know is that when we did when rory was in college and she did the i jump you jump episode those were the same dresses ah. they were the same dresses what I did was I if it had straps I took the straps off I like switched everything around and then I dyed them all different colors mm. and I didn't know if it was gonna work and then those same dresses were worn by the Misspa bot- that the, there were this group of little girls and I don't remember what episode it was, mm-hmm. but I cut them down and redyed them. Interesting. So I got, there was a lot of wear that was gotten out of that initial W. ball
1: Right, right. <laughs> and all of those dresses that all of those girls wore, that's, you know, everything you see on the screen is your responsibility. Right. Oh, yeah. So all of those dresses were purchased from all the debutantes, from all the, the yes. tuxedos, uh,
4: the tuxedos, my God.
1: Wow.
4: Uh, the shoes, the everything.
1: What kind of a budget are you given to do that in that particular oh. episode? Do you remember?
4: At the beginning, not very much. Right. You know, not very much. And it's never to be quite honest. Uh, it's never enough. And that's where the creativity comes in to play. For example, that's why I use the same dresses, you know, because property of Warner Brothers might as well use them again, but they don't need to look the same. Right. But, you know, it was an initial cost. For that particular episode, we got more money than, you know, we were given more money than, um, what is it? That we were supposed to spend, right? Because usually, you know, it's somewhere in the area of twenty to thirty thousand dollars per episode, depending on what's happening. That particular one, there was a lot of stuff happening, and you know, because there were, it just wasn't one person wearing a dress. Mm -hmm. But we got the dresses for pretty cheap. I think they were two hundred dollars piece which for a bridal dress they were they were literally bride's
5: dresses
1: oh okay
4: and got them for wholesale and they were very well made because it needed to have a certain look to it too Mm -hmm. you know it needed to hang properly and it's all about the fabric if you have crappy fabric it's just not going to look the same right and there was a certain caliber that, because, you know, it's Amy's show, um, there was a certain caliber that Amy wanted to achieve and everyone else on the show wanted to achieve, so. Uh
3: apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
6: hey everybody welcome to across generations where the voices of black women unite in powerful conversations i'm your host tiffany cross tiffany cross i want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood friendship wisdom and laughter
7: a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I mean, so you're constantly. I mean, there are no breaks for you, right? I mean, no. it's it's just a, a day. Even Saturdays, Sundays, you're shopping, oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like it's a constant nine month daily grind to get it right and to consult and to perfect and it's just what what, what kind of days were you putting in i mean how many hours were you putting in per day
5: oh
4: probably about 18
1: 18 hours every single day
4: wow yeah because it just it's just what it is you know Mm -hmm. you you know what you have to do um i have pride in my work I love what I do, which it doesn't, when I said when I say 18, I was like, whoa, I was working that much. But it didn't seem like it at the time. There was this one time that I came home and I fell asleep on the couch. My housekeeper came in and cleaned my house and I woke up about nine o'clock at night. <laughs> and I was like, what happened? <laughs>
1: where's where's my stuff (laughs) yeah
4: you know because i had just like dropped everything when i walked in the door my bed was made i mean it was perfectly you know Uh, clean uh, neat looking space and i she didn't move me she just i fell asleep on the couch i couldn't even make it to the bedroom right but um it it just doesn't sometimes it seems like it's it's a long day, but, you know, I really love the crew. You know, it all depends on who you're with. Mm-hmm. And I adored my crew. I could be with them 24 hours a day because they were like my family. And the the actual crew on the show, we were all like family. It wasn't. It wasn't like people weren't getting along or Mm -hmm. everyone was there to help everyone else. You know, the props. We worked well with everything, Mm -hmm. with every department. If, for example, props and purses and things like that that are shared. If Paula couldn't couldn't find it, um, she'd say, hey, I'm looking for such and such And when I'm out in the world, I would see something and call her and say, Hey, what about this? Right. I'm going to bring it. You can look at it. Right. You know, it was cross-pollinization. Right. In all the departments. So it was.
1: It was a terrific set to be on. It really was. It didn't seem. Right.
4: It was that.
1: So put us on the set. Okay. So we're shooting those scenes with rory being walked down the stairs by christopher and the tux and she's in the wedding dress and the whole thing put us there on the set you're there right you you brent 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 Brenda's there checking in you've got uh you've got uh your team there looking at everything and tell us about the kind of power you exert on the set if you see something's a little off and you need to make a change how does that process work? Do you go to the director and say, "Listen, uh, there's a problem here, and we need to—I need to fix it." Do you get yes. that kind of authority?
4: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah.
1: Did that happen in that episode? Did that because there was so much going on. Um,
4: it's just you know, it's just a matter of maybe the sleeve is down, mm-hmm. you know, the strap or whatever. Um, what happens is before they get to set, before the actors get to set. We're waiting outside their tray rooms, so when they step out, we already see if there's a major problem. So by the time, and then we we address it right then and there on the spot. Right. And then usually it only takes a couple of minutes, um, depending on what it is. You know, there's nothing really major because there's a fitting before,
5: mm-hmm. so
4: all of the 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 chances the opportunities for it not to be as perfect as it can be are eliminated before they get to set or at least we hope they are eliminated and then if it's something like that someone is in the room helping her put her clothes on right and you know maybe the zipper won't go up or maybe a button falls off or something like that that's going to affect the way it looks when it gets to set that's handled right then and there. So in, you know, we help them dress. We're outside their dressing room, give them a a check and then we go to set and they have a rehearsal and I'm usually outside the the trailer too. I don't let that get away from me. (laughs)
1: So interesting. So, so give us an idea of what it's like dressing, and how much more time uh, and effort goes into dressing and sort of managing the wardrobe of somebody, say, like Lauren or Alexis, as as opposed to uh, me, because <laughs> I was, was I? I must have been the easiest uh, person to dress. So
4: you were. Dream about it.
1: Right. There was nothing yeah,
4: to do. But, um, make sure that, you know, basically is on and that's it. That's a- it. Yeah. That's, that's it. Uh, um, are shoes tied? Yes. Everything <laughs> good? Okay. But, but the others, normally it wasn't that hard either. You know what I mean? It was, it was pretty simple we were always outside the trailer. I can't emphasize that enough. Mm -hmm. Always outside the trailer, um, just waiting. And if there was something, I mean, there were times when Lauren would open the door because Lauren liked to dress herself because it was her time to get centered and go over her lines. Cause you know, I don't know how many words. Someone should figure out how many words did you guys say? There's mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of words. A lot of words. Um, so you you want to give you wanna give the actor their space that way. Um, and then if there was something that she needed, she would open the door and say, Hey, can I have um, I don't know. Something, you know, can I have a different pair of shoes or can I have these are are a little tight?
5: Mm -hmm. Is
4: there a, a pair that's a little more comfortable that'll go? Yeah. So we go get it. And we always had a couple of choices for Lauren outside the trailer, too, so that we and the trailer was fairly close to our costume trailer was very close to where mm. you guys were getting dressed anyway. Mm-hmm. So it was just a matter of two seconds.
1: Right. Not to put you on the spot, but is there any particular story that you remember that was particularly funny that had to do with wardrobe and Lauren or Alexis or, or anybody or Melissa that was uh, uh, memorable in any way, shape, or form?
4: You know about the pajamas, right?
1: I don't. I don't know about with the pajamas. With Jackson? What? What about the Jackson? See, that's
4: how seamless it was.
1: Right. Oh, with his face so, on the pajamas.
4: Oh yeah. <sighs> Get the script at about eight o'clock at night because you know how the scripts they weren't yeah. too far in advance. Yeah, last minute. And um, reading it, and then there's this description of Jackson exits the closet with pajamas on with his face, I think it was, what was it, soccer? No, wrestling, with his wrestling outfit from high school on. And I said a whole bunch of words, like what, what? and But like a lot of words, what, what, what? (laughs) Excuse me, and that was a time where internet was just coming into being and we borrowed the internet from the stage because, <laughs> you know, it was all cable then. It wasn't mm-hmm. in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to, I called and said, okay, so what time is he, what's his call? Six o'clock in the morning. What time is he going at seven? And the production designer's calling me saying, why didn't you tell me? that there was about this. And I'm like, I didn't know because there was no closet in that house for, them, for him to come out of. So they had to be up all night making a closet door. I had to, and that is another example of everyone working together. You know, we had a grip that had a nephew that lived in the Seen Valley that was a wrestler We got pictures from his nephew, uh, Jackson. We called Jackson. Jackson sent us some pictures of him in high school. We photoshopped the whole thing. I had to call in a couple of favors, got it printed. Mm -hmm. I just coincidentally happened to have some pajamas that were all white at my house that were Brooks Brothers perfect size, everything, and spent all night long in the middle of the night having this printed and had it printed, ironing it. And the funny thing is that the place, it was a federal FedEx place. They did scanning. It was the only place in Marina that did it. Mm-hmm. And when I was a lot younger, it used to be a club and <laughs> I used to go to that club <laughs> <And> <laughs> I'm upstairs getting this scanning done. And I'm thinking, well, this is a far cry from the club day.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> but um, we accomplished it when he walked out in the pajamas with, you know, his face all over it. The entire crew applauded.
5: Yeah. Uh. Nice.
4: because there were so many crew members that had said, "Okay, I can do this, you know, I can do that." And um, yeah, it was fun.
1: Yeah. Great story.
4: But Melissa not everything was funny. Everything, but you know, a lot of the funny was in her dressing room that I'd have to ask her if I could divulge the the funny, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, mm-hmm. we were
1: laughing a lot. She's a very funny person. Just just naturally um, talking about anything. It the voice inflections, the way she delivers uh, her words, her sentences are just naturally funny. It's 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 odd. It's just such an. It's just. I've never. She was the most talented person on that set. I always thought she would have a big career. You know. Oh yeah. Just she's after we saw nuts. her at the Groundlings, I thought, whoa, she's going to be on Saturday Night Live. She's going to be a big star. And, and she did. Uh, she,
4: yeah. I saw Mara. Oh, really? Friday night. Oh. Yes. In Chicago. Wow. She is um, doing a play at the Looking Glass Theater. Mara
1: Casey, she's referring to yes. everybody. She uh, came oh, yeah. on and had a casting season two on. Go ahead.
4: Right. And she's responsible for a lot of the actors going on to great careers mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, Domo Girls was their launching pad.
1: Right. Um,
4: yeah. So and it was as if we had seen each other yesterday. Right. You know, it right. was just like, see ya, I'll see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That kind of, of thing. So, yeah, it's very much fun.
3: apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
6: hey everybody welcome to across generations where the voices of black women unite in powerful conversations i'm your host tiffany cross tiffany cross i want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood friendship wisdom and laughter In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder.
4: But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them.
6: Myself, as the middle generation.
7: This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption.
6: We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish.
7: Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: What can you tell us, uh about your experience getting the notification that the series had ended. Were you preparing for season eight?
4: Yes. I was shocked. I know exactly where I was. It was like, well, where were you and Mm -hmm. so-and-so? Yeah. I was doing, um, I had like another show that I was doing, but it was more reality. So I, you know, it wasn't constant. It was twice every, three months or whatever. And so that's what I was doing. I was getting the personality, you know, the actor dressed and I got a call from Patricia and she said, we're canceled.
5: Mm -hmm.
4: And my reaction was what, (laughs) you know, I mean, seriously, it was, What? And I said, You mean the show? And I couldn't believe it. I just, I was very sad. It was one of those, you know, it was like a big party, not in the party sense, but it was just, I didn't feel like we had a proper goodbye. Mm -mm. It, It was, it was kind of, I felt like the rug had been pulled out from under me.
1: Didn't you feel that it was in the offing, though, because Amy, uh, the Warner Bros. didn't sign Amy to a two-year deal. They offered her a one-year deal, and she felt a little slighted by that and decided to step away.
4: I I felt a little strange when she didn't come back because, you know what, it's Gilmore Girls is Amy. Mm -hmm. You know, she created that show, Mm -hmm. and she put the extra something something it's like gumbo she just put that that thing in it that you can't describe but it just makes it good
1: mm. and i thought I, th- I thought david rosenthal did a great job but how do you you can't re- you can't replace something that is <clears throat> you know that unique it's just not coming out of, you know the, he didn't create the characters so it's he understood oh, yeah. them he's a very gifted writer uh Oh yeah, he has nothing to prove uh, to anybody. I mean, he's a terrific talent, but my God, asking—it's—it's it's too much to ask somebody to take over a show like that.
4: Oh yeah, and that was that secret sauce. You know, the something something. Um, it still tastes good. Mm-hmm. You know, it was still good, but it wasn't. It it wasn't Amy. That's mm-hmm. that's all I can say. Yeah, but. You know, we did season seven, and I was as long as Patricia was there, I was I was good for season eight, and then we were not there.
1: Yeah, we weren't there.
4: And I understood though, I I got it, but it was just that initial what?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was shocking. You
4: mean the show's done? It was every. Every day when I had to fit or see a lot of the characters that had been on the show for the entire time, it was just so happy. It just made me so happy. They were happy. You know, there were a couple of tears, even the dog. (laughs) Even the dog.
5: <laughs>
4: I was like, come on in for a fitting. <laughs>
5: God,
4: make you a shirt. <laughs> oh. Oh, um, it was just, yeah, even even the dog, it's like, oh my God, the dog's still alive. Oh my God, bring, you know,
1: uh-huh.
4: bring the dog in, please. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, All right. So I-
4: that was kind of like the goodbye, hello, goodbye.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a three and a half month goodbye.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was really yeah, it great. Was. It was. Um, the thing that was missing was Ed. Right. You know, that was the first day we went into
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember uh, that. We walked into yeah. that set and that big that giant painting of him.
4: Yeah, and Oh my god, that was... I, I'm getting chills right now, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh I just kept waiting because the piano was there and during, you know, in between takes, he would just sit and play the piano and just sing some silly song and I kept looking over at the piano expecting for him to play and we moved on from it but he still he still has a huge place in my heart and everyone else's heart. Mm-hmm. So that was the only thing that was missing right. from from everything.
1: Right. Yeah, it was a bit odd. Um,
4: I would have liked to have put him in jeans. <laughs> <laughs> <That's quite true.
5: laughs> no bow you know?
1: And he was great. Okay. He was great in this episode too. I mean, he's great in everyone. But what a, what a great performance in this episode! All the the fighting with Emily. He's losing his. Mm-hmm. Thinks he's losing his job. Anyway. So we're getting to the end here of our time. Um, I want to do something with called rapid fire with you. Are you ready? I'm just going yeah. to fire some questions at you. You have to Uh-oh. answer them as fast as you can. You ready? Huh? Come on. Yeah. Fasten your seatbelt. How do you take your coffee? Black. How, uh, can you smell snow?
4: No. <laughs> Only if a dog has peed on it. <laughs> I live in Chicago. Uh-huh,
1: exactly. Um you know, I'm doing these from memory. Uh, are you team Jess, team Dean, or team Logan? I love them all. Who's the daddy?
4: Oof! That person that she went on the date with. Oh. That one night stand.
1: Okay. Huh. When she went
4: to Comic Con thing.
1: Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll find we'll find out who that is. Uh, show your binge watching right now
4: made oh and dope sick oh
1: forget made dope sick okay uh and I, there, I i think there are a couple other questions uh but i can't remember them so i think you did pretty good on rapid fire uh what's your favorite car <laughs> make <something>
4: nice.
1: <laughs> oh, <Taho. laughs> who's your oh, wait a minute wait a minute who's your favorite designer
4: Costume designer or designer?
1: Uh, both. Uh,
4: Molly McGinnis, costume designer, and Gucci.
1: Gucci. Um, uh, city you'd want to live in the rest of your life?
5: Paris.
4: Have you
1: been to the Rimbaud Museum? Here, no. Okay. Are you going to go to the Louvre? Are you? Are you going? To, are you, have you been? I've
4: been to the Louvre. Uh, my favorite museum here. My um, musée favorite is the uh, Musée Orsay.
1: Can I ask you a serious question? Yes. Would it Would it be possible to to get roller skates inside the Louvre? And could you roller skate the entire Louvre? And if so, could you do it in under seven minutes? No. And there's no chance. No. But could you get roller skates in in the first place? Could you enter the Louvre in roller yes. skates? You could. I
4: think, oh, no, 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 you can't. You can't. It's too many people in there. Right. You wouldn't be able to do it in seven
1: minutes. Couldn't do it. So it's just, okay. It's one of my dreams. Do the seven minute Louvre. Ooh. And then the next day, I'd, you know, I'd take the whole day to go through, but I just want to see if I can do it. Um. Brenda, it's been amazing. Um, yeah great catching up with you. You were one of my favorite people on that whole set. Uh, yeah, I, I, thank you. I, I don't know how you did it. You were always in a good mood. You were always had full of cheer and smiles. Um, you know, people, a lot of fans are very knowledgeable about shows, but a lot, a lot of people watch award shows and they, they sort of chafe at the fact that, you know, there's wardrobe people up there receiving awards and like, can we just get to the actors and this kind of thing? What a lot of people don't understand is how much work and effort, uh, uh, goes into what you do to make a show, to suspend people's disbelief, to make that Stars Hollow believable so people can inhabit it. Fans and audience members can inhabit that place in a seamless way and no pun intended, seamless, haha, um, and you did a marvelous job um, so hats off to you and thank you for your contributions to the show because it was really a very and it's turning out now it's twenty one years after the fact it's turning out to be this yeah. sort of like iconic you know it's like any day the Smithsonian's gonna call and you know send people around to the house like where's the hat where's the, where's the shoes or well, let's go about you know <laughs> and go through my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it just, it keeps growing and growing and growing as the years go by. And I don't think anybody's ever saw that coming. So it's, uh,
4: it's a whole new generation. It's it's kind of fantastic because that means that all of the things that Amy wrote about still, it's, you know, done Mm -hmm. the test of time and they're still relevant to today's living. Right. You know, the relationships between a parent and, you know, daughter or son, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it still works. Yeah. And that's the thing that's really important. And that brings a smile to people's faces. I've had people say to me, oh my God, you did girl. My mom and I are watching this and the mom was little at the time and watching it with Herma. <laughs> so it's it's a nice yeah, yeah. transition.
1: Yeah. Anyway, it was a wonderful catching up. Thank yes. you for taking the time out of your vacation. It, your it, Parisian it, vacation. It. Let's do this again in the not too distant yes. future. All the best okay. to you uh much love and uh and and thank you again. Okay. It was wonder okay. wonderful talking to you. Bye
4: bye.
1: All right. Take care. Okay. That was fantastic. I loved catching up with Brenda. I miss her so much. She was one of the things I look forward to, uh, uh, going to set every day, seeing Brenda, uh, and hanging out and, and having a laugh. Uh, it wasn't, she fantastic. What great stories, what great insight.
8: So cool. I loved her. And
1: wardrobe is uh, so important. And I just, I'm so glad that that we get to do this and let people know how important wardrobe is because when it's off, it ruins, uh, any storytelling. Uh, uh,
8: You were right about max. Yeah. I
1: I know. I know a little bit about my craft, you know, there's, there's, you know, wardrobe is part of it.
8: I love the fashion on this show. And I think what's really interesting is 20 years later, Mm -hmm. especially Lorelei, her clothes you could wear them today. Yeah. She looks so cool.
1: Timeless. Yes. Yeah.
8: And, but yet hip, it's like really crazy because it's 20 years later, I'd wear almost everything she wears.
1: Yeah. Anyway, Brenda May been a giant in the wardrobe game for film and television. And we were blessed having her on Gilmore Girls. And we were blessed being able to talk to her from her Paris vacation Amy, you can identify with that, with your three <laughs> oh, yeah. houses and your multiple, your multilingual international lifestyle. <laughs> I do
8: have something interesting to reveal.
1: What is that? About
8: this episode. What is that? But I I know we're running out of time.
1: We ran so long with Brenda because we were having such a good time talking with her. We're going to have to do a separate recap uh, uh, recording, and we'll release that in a couple of days.
8: And if you're a subscriber to the I Am All In podcast, uh-huh. you'll get a notification. So. Subscribe right now and give us five stars.
1: Wow, that's a wonderful feature. So, do that. Do what Amy said. Um, I've done what Amy says, and it's look, look at where it's gotten me. I mean, I'm almost <laughs> in one of the yachts.
4: I do
8: have something interesting to reveal. Okay. <laughs> I,
1: I, was, I knew it.
8: I was debating whether or not I was going
1: to read it. Is it like a smaller, is it like a Cessna? You have your own airplane, C- a Cessna? No,
8: I did not, but it is. It is very relevant. Okay,
1: to them, yeah, all, right, so all right, all right, all we'll right. Um, you have your own series of what? Wed- you have a wedding dress shop. You'll all right. Uh, you own a series of wedding dress shops in Europe.
8: You'll find out. All right. You'll find out. They're
1: called Amy's Sugar Shack. Wedding dresses. Discount. Sugar. It's not a bad name. Um, yeah, I should open a
8: candy
1: store called Amy's Sugar Shack. We'll do, you know, we'll open up a division of Scotty P's Big Mug Coffee. It'll be Amy it be Amy's Sugar Shack and we can have candy. We can sell candy. You
8: should have the I am all in chocolate.
1: I've tried to, I've tried to make a couple of deals, man.
8: For candy?
1: Yeah. Is Chocolates. candy a hard business? It's like, tough. You know it's hard. Yeah. I can't
8: imagine you make a lot of money on candy because it's like cheap.
1: No, the margins are pretty good. Really? Yeah, the high end. But the but the tough part is the shipping. In the oh. summertime, somehow chocolate seems to melt and route. So you have to pack yes. it with ice.
8: I experienced yes. that. God, was it was seeds Some candy yeah. that couldn't have been shipped. Maybe it was my Justin's peanut butter. <laughs> I'm not sure. It was one of those two. And it, because it was so hot in the summer, they
1: couldn't ship couldn't it. Ship it. Yeah. They got to put ice in. Dry ice, it just yeah. gets crazy. I mean, I've listen. we're working. I mean, Scotty P sweet shop coffees, right? We wanted to follow yeah. up with the actual candies. I was talking to so many different people. We just couldn't strike a deal. Couldn't make a deal. You got to make a deal. We
5: have to
8: keep our wheels turning on things we can do. I got to keep it
1: going, man. Okay,
8: okay. So everybody subscribe because we're going to notify you as soon as uh, the episode
1: drops. All right. So um, anyway, thank you, everybody, for uh, downloading this episode, the Brenda Mabin. Very special episode. And we will get back to you with another episode on the recap, which we're probably going to do right now. Yeah. All right. So, uh, all right, everybody, thanks for downloading, tuning in best fans on the planet. Stay safe.
0: They have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget.
3: The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David.
6: Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to the Sicilian Inheritance on the
5: iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.